We'll see if we can fix that right quick. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you guys have come across this phenomenon. I came across it a couple weeks ago, and it, it has intrigued me. I must admit. Have you guys heard of parkour? Okay, got a couple yeses. Parkour. Okay, got a couple people. How about you, you youth? Are you guys familiar with parkour? I got two. Okay. Well, all right. Well, this is good. Because some of you aren't initiated, right? So I, I found this little clip all about parkour, and I wanted to share it with you all this morning. So, so here we go. Here we go. No, uh, no one wants to see that. And I'll show you why. Parkour! <laughs> Fell into a hole there. That did not look pleasant. See, this is why they don't let people like me do things like that. <laughs> truly, truly. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. As Betty indicated, May is Missions Month. And this is like one of our, I think, this, I think this is one of our most fun months here at Oasis. And, um, you know, if you've been with us any period of time, you know that we like food. Today is no exception. We have pizza after church. How about that? But there is more. My lovely wife, Manera, has prepared for all of us some ethnic food that you can take home and make yourself. How many of you are cooks? I just want to know. How many of you are cooks? Raise your hand. A lot of cooks. I'm a cook, too. I'm a really good cook. I cook cereal. Delicious. So good. It's gourmet. Comes out of a box. You don't even have to put it in the microwave. It's amazing. Okay. So, on this back table back here, there are three varieties of ethnic food you can try. There is the green, the ones that are marked with the green dot. Anyone want to hazard a guess what the green dot might mean? It means it's super easy. It's like a snack. You can, like, anybody can do it. Yeah, so, you know, if you're like me, get the green. <laughs> then we have the orange. Those are for those, like, novice, you know, ethnic food cookers. So grab the orange. I don't know who you are, but I'm sure you do. And then, of course, there is the pink. Those are, like, the people that can cook better than Dave Ramsey himself. 
or Chef Ramsey, I'm sorry, not Dave Ramsey, <laughs> Chef Ramsey. <laughs> Guys, I've been going to church a little bit too long. I meant to say Chef Ramsey, so if you're like him and, you know, get really mad and all that stuff, there's a bag for you back there. It is pink. So check that out. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. I'm sure you and your family can cook. It'll be great. And I'll do cereal. Yeah, so today, I would like to spend a little bit, little bit of time talking about the mission of God. And we've been, over the last couple of weeks, been talking about an integral part of God's mission. If you don't know, Jesus is on a mission to redeem all things, to redeem the whole world, to call all people to himself. And if that's the case, and we're his followers, and we're to join him in this mission, we have to ask ourselves, how can we participate? How can we join with Jesus in his great mission of redemption? So I'd like to talk about that this morning. And I must admit, preparing for this talk, I was deeply and am deeply challenged. So I stand before you as someone that's challenged. My hope is, is to also challenge you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're just so thankful for what you've done in our lives. And my God, we pray that you would help us as a community of believers point others towards you. So this morning, today, I, I pray, God, that the Spirit in me will testify to the Spirit in others that you are the one true King and that we are your children. I ask all these things in your name. Amen. So... If God's on a mission, if he's on a mission to redeem all things, and we're invited to participate in his mission, there is one thing, I think, that God is most intent on redeeming in this world. You guys will find this no surprise. It's, of course, people. Jesus is on a mission to redeem people. And think about that. You know, just think about people. What, what do you think about when you think about people? I don't know. What I think about people... Man, people. Like, I'm an introvert, so, like, people are like, I don't like people. Like, by default, I don't like people. And, you know, as, as a follower of Jesus, it's really hard to follow Jesus and not like people. Because his mission is all about redeeming people. And But, you know, it, 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 you guys know this. Deep, people are hard. They're difficult. They're complicated. They're irrational. They're moody. You guys know some of these people? No, you don't know any of these people, right? No, yeah, we're, we're, we're complicated beings. We're not easy. We're illogical at times. We're difficult at times. Some of us are even rude and angry and mean and unkind. I, uh, as part of my job, I... Um, I, I, I have one-on-ones with people on a regular basis, which is an opportunity for me to, you know, give feedback, get feedback, talk about what's going on, you know, in the business. And uh, I was out doing a one-on-one -on -one with, with a colleague of mine. We were at Zupa's. I thought things were going pretty well. And, you know, Zupa's, guys, come on. Like, what's not to like about Zupa's? Everybody gets a strawberry cover, I mean, a, a chocolate-covered strawberry. 
What's not to like about that? Yeah. Ah, everyone likes Zupas. It's like every time I go to Zupas, I get in a super happy mood. It's like the best. So we were at Zupas. We are sharing a lunch. We were talking, you know, going back and forth. It was good. I thought things were really good. And, and, and during our, you know, conversation, my colleague, he says to me, he says, you are not listening to me. Well, I thought, this is Zupas. This is good. And he says it again. He says, you're not. I'm like, well, blah, 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 blah. He was pretty angry. I could tell at this point. I do, I do sometimes recognize anger in other people. I'm not completely inept. So, yeah, he was getting a little angry. And he says, no, you're not listening to me. And then he says, this one-on-one is over. And he slammed his feet on the table. Or, yeah, his, his hands on the table. We drove together. <laughs> awkward. Really awkward. So, you know, him and I, we had to do a little bit of reconciliation. I think, you, I think if you were to look at your lives and the people that are in your lives, and um, you, you, you'd admit, too, that, that people are, are pretty messy. You guys have rooms that look like this in your house? Please tell me you don't. But people are messy. Oh, see, we got one. Yes. People are messy. We also make messes, but we're messy. We're difficult. We're hard. So the question we must ask ourselves, if we're following Jesus, and he's on a mission to reconcile all things to himself, how ought we see other people? How ought we see the world around us? And how ought we interact with them? I think there's two kind of ways of looking at this, or at least there's two ways I'm going to present to you this morning. We call this, for lack of a better term, evangelism. If you were to ask me, it's really making Jesus famous. But we call it evangelism because we like big words in church, and there it is. Evangelism. So I have a, like a, a visual illustration for all of us here. Oftentimes, evangelism looks like this. We have this big circle. Circles are good, right? And of course, you know, we're talking about Jesus, right? So we got to put Jesus in the center of our circle, right? And then we got to add all the people. And if you notice, there's people inside the circle. There's people outside the circle. We have people that are in, that are in where Jesus is, and people that are out. We call this kind of in and out. And the people inside the circle, I mean, they're the Christians, right? They're, they're where Jesus is. They're the Christians. And they're pleading, begging, cajoling, yelling maybe, I don't know, at the people outside the circle saying, come in here, we have cookies, it's good. (laughs) Jesus is good. We can teach you all about Jesus, it's good. Come be a Christian. The circle, it's warm in here, it's good. We have cookies, it's all, it's good. Now there's two things, maybe three. There's three things where this sort of model, this picture, this posture might get us into some trouble. One is, this presupposes that there are people in and out. There are people that are Christians and are not Christians. And there's some line that divides them. And oftentimes in this model, this picture, when people decide to come into the circle... We, the Christians, try to download into their brains 
all the right doctrines, theologies, definitions, and beliefs. It's like a fire hose. It's awesome. Gotta believe this, gotta believe that, oh, da, 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 predestination, minionism, blah, 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 all these things. Now, mind you, the people that are entering this circle wouldn't know the difference between the Apostle Paul and Homer Simpson. I mean, come on, guys, let's, let's be honest. Like, you know, we're all on a journey, you gotta learn, right? Well, you know, learn all this at once. Good luck, there's the Bible. Go read a, you know, if you've seen, I have some, <laughs> I have some commentaries that I can, on one book of the Bible that are this thick. Amazing. They are pretty amazing, but, you know, go read a commentary. I think by doing this, I think by doing this, we run the risk of communicating that having the right thoughts, that having the right knowledge is a means salvation. It's a means of following and knowing Jesus. And I think we run the risk of maybe, maybe performing God's job. Because I've learned, and maybe you've learned this too, that Jesus, he's responsible for drawing people to himself. Jesus meets people where they're at. Jesus causes people to change. It's him. It's not us. I wish I could change people, folks. I've tried. It does not work. <laughs> Just ask my wife. No, yeah, I mean, she tries to change me, really. <laughs> it doesn't work. Jesus changes people. He changed me. And I know he changed many of you. We often feel like we're charged with doing God's job, being the judge and jury. Hopefully not the executioner, that would be bad. Now Jesus, he had some things to say about, you know, to, to the uber-religious people in his day. The people that had all this knowledge, knew about God. And you think, well, they get along, right, Jacob? Like, there was Jesus and the people that knew about God. They've got to be like, you know... Peas and carrots. We got to get along. Mm, not nah, get along. Jesus did not get along with the uber religious, the people that knew all about God. They called them the Pharisees. And these Pharisees in Jesus' day were charged with teaching at the synagogues. They were charged with proclaiming the word of God, teaching people about God. And Jesus. You can read about this. I just want to share one thing he said to them because I found it particularly incendiary. Jesus, in Matthew 23, said this to the Pharisees, the uber-religious, the people that knew all about God. He said, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You do not ever want to be called a hypocrite. That's not good. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte, a single follower, a single disciple. And when he becomes a follower, a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell 
as yourselves. Ouch. Burn Jesus. This is what he said to the religious people, the people that thought they were in. They were not in. They knew all about God, but their hearts were far from him. So I think in this sort of model, this way of looking at the world, we run the risk of becoming not all that like the Pharisees, the uber-religious, knowing all about God, but being far from him. Carl Majerus in his book, talking about this, his book is called Speaking of Jesus. It's a great title. He said this. He said, if we were to look at Jesus in the totality of his love and determination, we would realize we are not required to make ourselves his followers by force or reason. We would realize that he came to us in our poverty of mind and heart. I found this to be true. Jesus came to me. It was his great love and kindness that compelled change in my life. It's because of him. It's because of what he did. And I think that, you know, kind of going back to our model here, a better way to maybe look at this is to recognize we all have a pointer. We're all moving in a direction. We're all moving in a direction. And so let's, let's just see what happens. If we're all moving in a direction and we remove the boundary, it might look a little bit more like this. There are people that are pointed at Jesus, that are following after him, and those that are not. And for those of us that call ourselves his followers, that call ourselves Christians, we have the great responsibility to proclaim his good news. And his good news is, you can be set free from the bondage of sin, which leads to death. You can be reconciled to God. Because Jesus is in the business of making old things new. I know of no one, no thing, no company that just takes old things and makes like really new things, like that just transforms them. No, we always get new things and then things become old, right? Jesus is in the business of taking old things and making them new. Now, if you don't believe me, you may not believe me, and that's okay. Paul, if you don't know who Paul is, he was also a Pharisee. And he had a radical encounter with Jesus. And he became a Jesus freak. And he went around Asia Minor planting churches. And one of the churches he planted was in Corinth. And he wrote letters to them. And they were not, they, Corinth was, was in kind of a bustling city. It's the, it was in the, it was kind of the capital city of the province called Archaea. 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 Yeah, one of those words. And, yeah, and, it, and they had a lot of Greeks. They had some Jews, but they had a lot of Greeks. A lot of people, you know, not all unlike you and I. And this is how Paul framed it. This is how he framed the church's posture towards the world. This is in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, rather. Uh, 5.17, Paul said this. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ 
reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is in Christ. This, what is this ministry of reconciliation? What is it? Paul tells us this is good. He said, it is in Christ. Died was, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, as Casey talked about just a little earlier this morning, and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And what's that appeal? Be reconciled to God. We implore you, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. That's the message. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to him. For our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin. So that in him we might become righteous. So the question remains, how do we join with Christ and his mission to redeem all things, to redeem all people, to call all people to himself, to say to the world, follow me as I follow Christ, as I point to Christ? How do we do that? How do we stretch out our hands and invite people in this great journey that many of us are on? How do we do that? I have a story that kind of illustrates this. So this guy was walking along. All great stories start with a guy walking along. I just want you guys to know that. Guys walk along. That means a great story's coming. So a guy was walking along. And he fell into a hole. He saw the guy doing parking. Fell into a hole. The walls were so steep. So our guy here. The walls were so steep, he could not get out. He was deep in the hole. So, you know, a doctor passes by, passes by the hole. So the guy shouts up. He says, hey, you, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription, <laughs> throws it down the hole, and moves on. So a priest comes by. Our guy, he looks up. He says, hey, father, I'm down here in this hole. Can you help me out? The priest writes him out a prayer, throws it down the hole, and moves on. Then a friend walks by. He says, hey, Joe, I'm down here in this hole. Can you help me out? So his friend, he jumps in the hole. Her guy says, Joe, oh my gosh. Are you stupid? <laughs> now we're both down here. His friend says, yeah, yeah. But I've been down here before. And I know the way out. You see, 
There are folks in our lives that are in deep holes. There are folks in our communities that are in deep holes. And if you've been following Jesus for any period of time, I, I, get, I bet, I bet, you know how to get out of some of those holes. That, I think, is what reconciliation looks like. It's helping people out of holes. Because you've been in those holes. Jesus saved you. He redeemed you. He came to you while you were at the sinner's table. That's where he found me. If you guys have been with us for the last couple months, you know we've been hearing testimonies of how Jesus has transformed people. People have you know, given their testimony here. And, and everyone, without exception, Jesus found them where they were at and transformed their lives, began that process of transformation. And he surrounded them with people to help them out. And i and I got to confess, guys, I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for some of you in this room who helped me out of holes. Partnering with Jesus. I think that's, I think that's it, guys. I think that's our... That's our ministry. As the church, as people following and, and committed to going where Jesus goes. That's our, that's our mission. There's this lyric I really love that I'm reminded of often. It goes like this. It says, when justice called for all my debts, I'm in debt. I'm in debt to Jesus. I've done things that I am not proud of, that Jesus has changed. The friend of sinners came in his debt. Jesus found me where I was at. And he didn't hold the broken windows against me. <laughs> and he helped me. Shake off the, the chains and bondage of sin, which leads to death. And he's still helping me shake off the chains and bondage of sin, which leads to death. And, you know, for those of you that have been walking with, with God for a while, you might say, Jacob, this is so hard. It's hard to follow Jesus. We stand opposed. We get confused and discouraged and distracted There's a story in Scott McKnight's book called The Jesus Creed um, where he talks about loving God and loving people. He tells a story of a man named Laubach who had an experience while praying on Signal Hill, which is in, a, which is in a, a, a Lanao, which is a province of the Philippines, where he was ministering to the Morose people. And the Morose people were uh, Filipino Muslims. And um, he was praying to God. He was saying, you know, stuff like this. He said, God, I'm experiencing total failure. He felt like he'd totally failed at the hands of the people who had no place for the gospel. He was so frustrated with these people. Like, they have no place for you, Lord. He cried out to God. He said, what can I do 
for hateful people like these. Murderers, thieves, dirty, filthy nut chewers. Our enemies. What can I do for these people? And God answered him. He felt like the Lord told him that he had failed. He said, you had failed because you did not really love these morose people. You feel superior to them because you are white. If you can forget you are an American and think only how to love them, they will respond. They will respond. So that's our great challenge. That's the great challenge that we have as a church, as a body, as followers of Jesus is how do we love people? How, if we're collectively pointing towards Christ, that's our desire, how do we love them? Arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, how do we do that? And so that's, that's the topic of our uh, discussion this afternoon. So we'd like to invite you uh, uh, to participate. Paul says this about trouble, writing again to the Corinthians. This is in chapter 6. He says, Working together with him then, we appeal to you not because... I'm sorry. We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listen to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God... We commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet true, as unknown yet well-known. As dying, and behold, we live. As punished, and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. This is, this is our posture, guys. As ministers of reconciliation, this is who we are. And it's not easy. In fact, I think you'll find most things in life that are worth it are really hard. I found this to be true. People are worth it, but they're really hard. Good marriages, yeah, it's, it's hard, but it's worth it. It's worth it. So the question I have for us is, I wonder what it would, wonder what we'd look like if we endeavored, you and I, be known as a church that ran towards the hot messes, that befriended sinners as Jesus demonstrated to us, that walked with people through trouble and pain, a church where people could belong before they can believe. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I have a, a little clip uh, that uh, I'd like to show you from our national director, Phil Strout. In the question, if we said, why should we care about evangelism, 
there is not so much a duty. I don't know that duty, when we appeal to somebody, about pointing our lives towards Jesus and encouraging other people to point their lives towards Jesus is that when we do that, we grow closer to Christ, we also grow closer together. Isn't that amazing? Like you... I think that's what Jesus might mean when he said, you'll know they're my disciples for their love for one another. They're bonded together. They're growing together. They're coming towards me. You might wonder, well, you know, how do we, you know, practically speaking, you know, point to Christ? I have one example uh, that I'd like to share with you. How do we point others to Christ? Like, naturally. Not saying, oh, you're going to hell and this and that. No. How do we naturally, with the love of Jesus, point people to him? The same colleague I told you about earlier, we were at lunch, another one-on-one. And he asked me, he said, Jacob... Like, you have some really great leadership qualities. There's some things you do that I really like. Like, you're, you're direct, but kind. You're inspiring. You, you know, you're nice to people. Like, oh, this must have been some, like, good days you've observed me. I said, what? Like, you know, is there a book I can read about that? Like, where does that come from? Like, there's like got to be some good business book that you like devoured and, and got all these you know ideas from. Or behaviors, like you thought it was like a formula to it. And uh, it gave me an opportunity not only to tell him about the great modeling I had in my dad, how to lead people, but it also gave me an opportunity to tell him what Jesus did for me, and say with confidence, if it weren't for Jesus, <laughs> I wouldn't have had those qualities. I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't be the leader I am today. Probably wouldn't be with you here right now. It's because of Jesus. It's just that simple. I'm just pointing to him. No, it was, it, was, it was Jesus in my life. Be reconciled to God. He takes away the heavy weight of sin from you and from me. So that's the question, you know, that we like to wrestle with together um, this, uh, this, this afternoon and uh, talk about, brainstorm about how we can love our city, how we can better love our neighbors, how we can be Jesus's hands and feet, how we can participate with him in his ministry of reconciliation. That's exciting because we all, I don't know about you, but I want my life, I want your life, I want our churches, you know, our collective arrows to be pointed towards Jesus. I, uh, in fact, r- real quick, let's uh, go ahead and connect, collect our connect cards and offering and all that. And I'm going to end with just one really quick story. So I, I had the opportunity, had the opportunity to give my testimony while I was in Cambodia in January. And I delivered my testimony. I thought it was super good. It was really great. That was awesome. This is like best testimony ever. So my good friend Casey, who, who uh, led us in communion this morning, he came up to me afterwards and he was with us. He said, that was an interesting testimony. I said, oh, well, pray tell. Why was that an interesting testimony? I'm thinking he's going like, to give me a compliment or something. Like, oh, this is going to be good. Like, I like compliments, guys. I mean, come on. 
this is going to be good. And he goes, I think that was maybe more of a sermon than a testimony. Oh! I was totally, totally, I don't know what it was, but it didn't feel good. So I asked the Lord, I said, God, you know, what, what's going on here? I said, I thought that was a good testimony. And I was reminded, you know, I think by the Lord that I needed to get better at telling my God stories, about telling about what Jesus had actually done in my life, not about what maybe Jesus had done in other people's lives, but about what he's done for me. Not about doctrine or theology or all that. And that's good stuff. Like, I love that stuff. I think there's a place for that. But more about what Jesus has done for me on a very sort of specific level. And I want to challenge us this morning with, with that word. And it is, we've got to get good at telling our stories because we are a living testimony of Jesus' work of redemption. We're it. And because we're it, we've got to get good at telling our story to those, that are, those around us, to each other, because I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I hear someone else's story of what Jesus has done for them, when I see people baptized and I, and I hear what Jesus has done in someone's lives, I, my faith is lifted. It's like, wow, God is still at work. He's still changing lives. He changes my life. He changes their life. This is super exciting. We need more of that. Yeah. Amen? So, you know, if you've maybe, and I, I just want to invite the prayer team up. If you've maybe, you know, Maybe your, your relationship with the Lord has waned a little bit. Maybe you've become a little stuck in a rut of like becoming more knowledgeable about God, but not really knowing God or following Jesus. We'd like to pray for you. Just say, you know what? I need, I need to have that love I had at first, that thing that Phil talked about where it just kind of bubbles out of you. If that's, if that's you, we'd, we'd just love the opportunity to pray for you this morning just kind of rekindle that good deposit that Jesus has put in you. Fan that into flame so that it can affect and infect the world around us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I'm just so thankful for everyone that's here this morning, God. I pray, Lord, that as you continue to knit us together as your body, as your ministers of reconciliation, Lord, you would continue your work in us to mold us together, to knit us together. Lord, give us boldness, increase our faith. Let us overcome God's resistance and help us more than anything, Lord Jesus, point to you. Share our stories about what you have done in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I ask all these things in your name. Amen. So if you have a story, particularly like a mission story, Minera is going to be collecting those over the next couple of weeks. So talk to her. In fact, she's starting today. We've got some youth. So she's in the back waving her hands around. Go talk to her with her cell phone. Apparently she's using her cell phone. So if you want to like add a story, I mean, here's like a really good next action. You can like go talk to her right now, which is awesome. And then um, in here about 20 minutes, uh, we're going we're gonna to have maybe 15 minutes. We're going to have pizza, and we're going to chat about you know, the opportunities that Jesus might be setting before us 
as a community. And we have some ideas, and I'm hoping that you have some ideas, and uh, it's going to be super exciting and, and hopefully a, a very edifying sort of activity. So please hang out. Um, and uh, yeah, so if you don't hang out, that's okay. Have a good week. We love you. Go get some food in the back, some ethnic food to cook, especially you pink Ramsey people. All right, have a good week. <laughs>